Welcome to the Pages to Pictures podcast, the show where we discuss the art of adaptation from one storytelling medium into another. Each episode revolves around a single film based on pre-existing stories or franchises and asks three questions specific to the adaptation. Your hosts are James Janowski, giant Cincinnati Reds fan, screenwriter and screenwriting instructor at the School of Visual Arts in New York City and Screen Experience at ScreenExperience.com. Skid Marr, a founding member of the Glass Cannon Network, podcaster extraordinaire, and a guy who gets paid to play role-playing games. And Andy Schmidt, former Marvel Comics editor, writer of comics, graphic novels, video games, children's books, former director of intellectual property and development at Hasbro, and founder of the online comic book school, Comics Experience. Now get ready for the nerdiest podcast in history. And welcome to Pages to Pictures. Hey everybody, welcome to Pages to Pictures, the podcast where we talk about adapting stories from one medium into the next, usually the next being a film. Uh, we are doing our Road to Avengers Infinity War episode. This is the second one, so if you have not listened to our first part, uh, which we focused on Captain America, the Winter Soldier, uh, give a listen to that and then come back here for uh, us to talk about Captain America, Civil War, and some of the other things going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Andy Schmidt, one of your co-hosts. I'm a former Marvel Comics editor. Um, I, I should have done full disclosure last episode, but but I worked in editorial on the Winter Soldier. I worked in editorial on Civil War. I worked in editorial on uh, revamping the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I've worked on a bunch of stuff, and uh, some of it relates here. Um, <clears throat> I've also done other things within the entertainment industry, but uh, certainly those experiences are going to color my opinions and thoughts on these episodes. But uh, joining me, um, joining me today is uh, James Janowski, screenwriter and screenwriting instructor. And uh, James, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing and great. Skid Mar, king of all nerds. Hello, oh, hi, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I thought this comic book podcast could use a nerd or two. So that's my, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, also an accomplished actor, as you can tell. Yes, I'm a I man of a thousand voices. voices. <laughs> I didn't know we could do voices. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, free. Unfortunately, yeah, only now. one look. Uh, that was, yeah. That's right, okay. that's right. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So we talked uh, about The Winter Soldier, and we discussed uh, primarily the film itself, the adaptation process, um, but we also talked about the larger cinematic universe, and we're going to do that here. We have more than our usual three questions, because there's a lot more going on uh, in terms of this discussion, getting ready for Avengers Infinity War, which opens April 27th, uh, right around the corner, and is the 19th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and a lot of it has been building up to uh, to this movie. So. Uh, we read Marvel Comics Civil War, numbers one through seven, the entire miniseries. We also read the special that came out during that time, um, Captain America Iron Man Casualties of War, uh, which was a, a basically a double-sized one-shot that chronicled the last conversation that, that Steve Rogers and Tony Stark had before things uh, went uh, horribly wrong in that series. Um, and then we read uh, the same 
the same material, Thanos Quest 1 and 2, Infinity Gauntlet, and Thanos Rising to, to get our, gra- our bearings on, on the Thanos and the Infinity Stone side of, side of things for this, for this movie coming up. So that's our source material. Um, I enjoy all that source material because uh, I'm a big comic book fan. And superhero fans. So, uh, you guys, did you guys enjoy uh, enjoy Civil War the, the the comics? And did you guys like those? Yeah, I actually, I was. Mi- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, Skip. I um, I remembered not liking it as much at the time. I wasn't because it was so much hype around it uh, before it came out, and I remember feeling a little disappointed. But this time reading it, I was like, no, this is actually pretty good. And it doesn't hurt that uh, Steve McNiven is my favorite artist um and I, it's been a long time like i just i don't never read comics anymore and uh, except for this uh thank you mandy and um so i just i hadn't seen a lot of like comic art in a long time and he is just amazing i just love him so much so yeah no i liked it a lot you know the what i loved about civil war was it was it wasn't some kind of godlike being like the beyonder or you know or some other a godlike creature that it was actually them against each other over this uh, philosophical idea. And I thought that was great, but overall there were certain things I, with civil war that I had problems with that I, that I, that I think we'll get into for me at least that uh, it wasn't my favorite read out of all everything that we, uh, that we were uh, reading for this podcast. Um, there were just certain things that I didn't believe uh, certain decisions being made by certain characters that I didn't agree with. Um, but I did like the overall idea of having this civil war between the, the, the superheroes. I thought that I thought the, the yeah, and I think we're going to get into it to exactly that. I think you're right because there are changes made conceptually and to what the conflict actually is about uh, from the comics to the uh, to the film, and I think I I think it it has a really big effect. Uh, you know, I was, I was really close to civil war was coming out cause I was working on it and, and giving notes on scripts and tracking all the art and, and talking with it, with everybody. So, um, so it's, it, I just don't have that sort of reader's perspective on it. I certainly had my issues with it. In fact, that casualties of war special is a result of one of the issues that I had with, with, uh, with the story mm-hmm. as it was. And part of that really? is, is a limit. Yeah. And part of that is a limit of 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 space well there was also um uh mark miller had gotten sick and so there were there were going to be production delays and so we did need to come up with some some one shots but specifically i pitched that one one shot because i i just was really having a hard time wrapping my head around why these guys were coming to blows um and Mm -hmm. and and not talking this thing out and i wanted and and it like they had so much history in the comics, which is different from the movies. Um, they had so much history in the comics. It was just like, these guys should just sit down and, and, and talk. And when they do, we need to figure out based on their actual history, why it, why it doesn't work out. But as things escalate, both of those guys, natural inclination is going to be to get together and, and, and talk it out. And so that's what that special, that's where that special came from was this sort of like this need of me going, no, this should be more rational. They are friends. They need to, they need to do this, and and they have to at least try it. Um, which I didn't feel like. <laughs> it, you know, and, and there isn't the space in the big event book when you've got fifty other titles tying into it. Like, like I completely get the logistics of why, like, you can't just take an issue of 
the the event series and and have them sit down and chat like i get that i you know but but anyway so uh but i do think that the movie takes uh some some different approaches that i think are are effective so let's let's dive into our our questions our first question is long so bear with me uh <laughs> yeah i wrote it so. our long-winded screenwriter <laughs> uh sorry, sorry in the seven issues i'll try to i'll try to pay attention to the whole thing yeah try not to i haven't got to it yet <laughs> once in one sitting <laughs> yeah, yeah the book was fine it's the questions that i uh that i really like. <laughs> um, i can't, I can't seem to get through them. my attention's fast. <laughs> In the seven-issue miniseries Civil War, the inciting incident is an explosion that killed children at a school because of the inexperience and negligence of young superheroes starring in a reality TV show, the, the, the New Warriors. However, in the film, it is the culmination of continued human collateral damage sustained in battles between the Avengers and their adversaries in New York City in the first Avengers film, in Washington, D.C., in Captain America the Winter Soldier, in Sokovia in Avengers Age of Ultron, and Nigeria in Captain America Civil War. That leads to the U.S. government's Superhero Registration Act. Uh, is there a storytelling advantage to having the inciting incident be a culmination of events over several films leading to Captain America Civil War? So just to kind of clarify this, in the comics, it's a Superhero Registration Act, which is the, the, the U.S. government says, if you're a superhero, you have to register, you're going to be on our payroll, we're going to track you, you know, like, like you need, you need your, you need your superhero license essentially. Um, and, uh, in the, in the film, they're called the Sokovia Accords. And the, one of, one of the differences there is that there is a, the, the idea is that there will be a UN special council that will tell the Avengers, yes, we're sending you here. You have to go do this thing here, or you're not allowed to go do this thing there. So they they are they are different. Um, uh, and so, and so getting to the crux of the question, uh, is, is, does it work better that it is this buildup of, of events that lead to the Sokovia Accords or this one inciting incident where, where, uh, this town, Sanford, Connecticut is destroyed because of inexperienced heroes. The issues are different, but which one works and resonates better for, I guess, for us, since we're the ones talking on this podcast. Uh, James, you want to start this one? Sure. I, you know, I think it's, I, for me, the film, I think, uh, the fact that it has some kind of emotional toll on Tony Stark, which gives him a good reason, a motivation for his actions throughout the movie. Uh, and it also brings the audience right along with him because I'm assuming the majority of the people that they continue to watch these over time, they understand this motivation, I think better, you know, in, in the Civil War, the comic book, because the people who are actually starting the Civil War had nothing to do with it, um, that I, I feel like that they don't have that same emotional weight to them be because they weren't a part of that. In the film, I think it works a lot better just because of it's something that that they that they did that that is or, affecting and maybe the not that they did directly because like they weren't blowing up civilians. Like they they were attempting to defend, but they were no, involved, but, uh, and maybe they could have done more. Yes. is sort of one of the arguments, right? Yeah. Skid, what do you yes, think? Yes, exactly. Uh, it's funny. I think the, the in the comic, the the incident feels it feels like something you'd see on the news, 
today. Like it feels eerily similar to a lot of events like happening lately in the real world. Um, and it makes sense, you know, in a world with superheroes in it, that this kind of thing would eventually happen and probably more often than not. Um, but I did like, I think it was necessary in the, 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 the movies, uh, it made it an international incident because like there was so the, 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 the far flung nature of like everything that's going on. And was it, you know, you're able to draw like a, the whole black Panther thing into it. Um, I don't know, the, the, but the comic version, like it felt more, more visceral to me. It was just like, I had this like really icky reaction to it because it was also like, you know, they were doing it for a reality show. Right. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's more slimy. It's more slimy. Yeah. 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 And whereas in the movie, it's like, you know, they were doing their best. Like they, they, you know, they, they reacted to, uh, in a situation. Um, they, it could have been much worse if they hadn't been there. Um, so yeah, it's like, I don't know. It, my, my, my feelings on who was right change from comic to movie also. Interesting. So, well, let's just cut to it, right? So, so in the comic book, whose side are you on? Iron Man agrees that that superheroes should be registered and all that sort of stuff, and he says, "I'll do it. I'll be in charge because I don't trust other people to have access to your to the to the secret identities, right?" And Captain America says, "No, we got, we wear masks for a reason." Um, and uses kind of Spider-Man as the example, right? Once he was unmasked, like that mm -hmm. fairly directly led to the death of Gwen Stacy in the comics. So in the comic, who's, who's, who's right? Where do you guys come down on that? Um, oh, go ahead, Skid, if you want to yeah, uh, tackle this. I, I don't know. <laughs> it changes. It changes. <laughs> like, I, I read through it, and I'm like, well you know, Tony has a point like this stuff, this is dangerous, you know, this should be regulated. And it's like, there are, you know, various kind of political echoes, you know, to what's going on. And like, I definitely fall on one side of the argument there. Um, but then, but it's my superhero universe at, and I like superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a whole I different thing. Like I love the Punisher, <laughs> you know, if the Punisher was real, I'd be like, please throw this man in jail. Like get rid of him. But, <laughs> but that so that's the thing too is like i try to this through this reading i was like uh trying to look through like everyone's tactics and see if i could get a clue as to you know who who's really right and the fact that you know tony starks like the government side like they're using the it's the thunderbolts right right the villains yeah yeah, so they're they're utilizing, they're openly using like these. We're using the Thunderbolts. We're gonna we're willing to work with villains to get this thing to, done to take down Captain I was America. Like, Aha. <laughs> right, to take right. down Captain yeah. America. Yeah. Probably not <laughs> on the right side of history at that point. Right. Um, <laughs> but I forgot that like the the other side, like Captain America's side, the rebels, they were willing to work with with criminals too. And they're approached by a couple of criminals at one point. They're like, we're going to work with these guys, but then the Punisher just murders them. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so, so it's like, and, and, you, and, and, and then you're like, wait a second. Like, I mean, murder's wrong, but like the Punisher's right. Right. On one level. Right. Like right. he shouldn't have killed them, but like, he's right. You don't want to work with them. But 
and, yeah. and, 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 and it's so complicated. It was like, it's really like, it would, it, well, the thing <laughs> my head in is my English. So when we were in the editorial meetings where we were discussing this idea, the, I, the idea was to make both sides of the argument strong and make them even. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, pretty much as soon as Captain America makes a decision, the audience is going to go with Captain America because he's always right. Like, right. Um, that's a superpower. Right. That's yeah, one of his superpowers. superpowers. Always being right. <laughs> so to me, you know, it's interesting to me because, you know, like I said, you know, I was editing uh, an editor on it, but um, Iron Man is 100% right in the real world, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. Like 100%. Like, there's a reason that being vigilantes in the real world is illegal. And that's what right. superheroes are. They are vigil. Like, what they're doing is already illegal. Right. right? So, like, the- <laughs> really dangerous. Right. And, and really a bad idea. Um, and, yes. and so it's completely justifiable. But then, but then he's like, you know what? In order to put the good guys in jail, I'm going to free the bad guys from jail. To hunt them down. Like, and then you're just like, well, that doesn't make Captain America right. It just makes Tony wrong also. Uh, right. And so that's kind of my, that's kind of where I wind up. It's like by the end of Civil War, I'm like, well, they're just both wrong. Um, and, 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 and I don't feel like and there's also, any kind of resolution to, to that debate really. And not that I think there needs to be. I mean, the whole thing is just an excuse for, to have these, you know, these sorts of discussions and these scenes. And, and there, and there's a lot of really, what I do like a lot about Civil War is I like the character work and, 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 uh, and yes. some of it's, some of it I don't always agree with, but, but, uh, there's a lot of really good stuff to mine in there. But, um, yeah, there's just quickly like that, talking about character work, that was one thing that made it more ambiguous was Miller like has a way of writing Captain America that is not always the most sympathetic and yes. it really is uh, in ultimates you very much see it it's and but there's a little bit of it in in civil war too and i can't remember there's a couple moments where it's just like cap is kind of being a jerk here um so yeah so that so that that like muddies the waters even a little bit more yeah and there are also those sort of side moments that are really nice like the one that comes to mind uh is between cap and the punisher where they get into the fight and Cap beats up the Punisher, and Punisher mm-hmm. won't fight back, and they're yeah. like, what's up with yeah. that? And somebody says, same guy, different war. Um, and, <laughs> and you're like, wow, yeah. that just summed up a whole lot. And then there's, there's actually a reply to that, which I thought was also really good. Um, and now I can't remember what it was, but I, but somebody does respond to that. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, that's not true. But um, there's stuff you like that the, that I think the, is great. The, yeah. The, the the one subplot that I really liked in Civil War that could never make it into the movie because they didn't own the rights right. was the whole Fantastic Four. Yes, I love yes. I love I love the whole idea that that's that Susan Richards goes and leaves Reed because she believes with Captain. That America. was so cool. I love that. Loved that. that was so cool. Yeah, and and the, and I'm like sitting there going, you know, there's just no way. And and there was also another thing in there. But I I could not believe the first time I read Civil War, and I think I read it either last year, or two years ago, for the first time. I didn't believe that Spider-Man yeah. would go with Tony Stark. I, I there was just I just did not believe it. And and I when I went back to read this for the podcast, I was like, 
oh, I totally forgot. Yeah, now, I still don't believe. Now, <laughs> again, the, believe this goes back to the, the whole shared universe thing. Because, you know, these storylines in the comics don't happen in a vacuum. Like, like they're being published every month. And yeah. for like a year or so prior to Civil War, in the comics, Peter Parker and Tony Stark had, had become quite close. And Peter was working at oh, Stark Enterprises. Yeah. So, like, so now that's... Yeah, that, oh, right. So that was actually that's going right. on. It's it's. I mean, I still don't know that I yeah. fully agree with it, but like it, but it it is. If you're reading, you know, every Marvel comic published every month, then you actually have some crux for it, and that's one of the things that's interesting about mm -hmm. these events, and and one of the things that people don't like about the events sometimes. But, um, but yeah. So in the movie, so let's switch gears real quick, and let's let's try and sum this up in the mm -hmm. film. With this UN council that's going to approve the Avengers to take missions or or not approve them to take missions or send them somewhere where they may not want to go, as you know, as Captain America talks about, um, who's who's right in that in the film? Do you do you find that you that 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 you side more with one of with one of these characters than the other when it comes to the the Sokovia Accords discussion? I think I'm always going to be Captain America, Team Captain America. I'm, I'm always going to be <laughs> Captain America. Uh, yeah. I just, just <laughs> doesn't matter what he does. Uh, it's Team Captain America. But I would have to say that going from the the comic book to the film, there are certain things I that the motivation for Tony Stark yeah. makes more sense to me now. And there's and the, and the build up that they did in the films with Captain America also I think solidifies his position even better. Than in the, in the in the comic book because you know going from uh, um, the Winter Soldier to where the you know the shield has been compromised right. to now this uh, it, it really makes more sense and I think the line is 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 bolder in the, between the two and 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 makes good. What do you think? Yeah, I totally I I agree with James on that. I the Cap having just gone through this experience of seeing how a government agency, any kind of authority can be uh, corrupted and manipulated for purposes it wasn't intended for. Um, like he trusts his own judgment more at this point after that than he does like any, any like agency. And I do right, too. I was just going to say, <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I do too. Like I, like you were saying, like I just, I just trust Captain America. <laughs> like I'm like I'm just whatever you want, man. Like you're all good. Okay. Right. It's like I don't know. It's like uh, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a good monarch. It's just like when every like couple of generations, like you get like, oh, this guy's actually well suited to the job and he has ultimate power. And it's just like, yeah. As I, I don't want to get into a whole like monarchist, you know, anti-monarchist no, you love monarchist. debate. Please, yeah. come on, guys. Uh, you know, this is neither the time nor the place. But we should throw Parliament out. Uh, just have a queen. guy. <laughs> yeah, she's really the, just her and her corgis just run everything. Um, even though she just lost the last one, sorry to bring oh, it man. down. Um, I hadn't heard. Yeah, it's a bummer. I know. Sorry, sorry to break it. Um, but uh, but no, but just Captain America, like he's a guy like who has this kind of authority. Um, in this place in the world, and he just happens to be the absolute best person to have it. Yeah, and I think you know? I think the thing the thing is is that um, watching Civil War again this week was really interesting for me because 
while I liked the movie and I was entertained when it came out, um, this was the third time I'd seen it. I'd seen it in the theater and then I watched it um, once after it came out uh, for home viewing. And um, I watched it with my two sons who were nine and six at the time. And my six-year-old just like nailed what this movie was about. It was awesome. Uh, I'll explain that at the end. That'll be our, our bonus tidbit is Oliver's take on, on Captain oh, America's nice. Civil War. <laughs> um, so, but then, but then this, so this was the third time and I had just finished Civil War, the comic. So like, that's totally fresh in my mind and I'm going in and I'm, and I'm, and I'm seeing this movie and I liked it and I got way more emotionally invested on this viewing than I did on either of the previous, either of the previous viewings. And it's not because I read the comic, although I think that, that, that had helped, but like I understood, cause I'd also just read winter soldier and watched winter soldier and, and that the character arcs for both Steve Rogers and Tony Stark made more sense to me and they resonated a lot a lot more and in the case of the film when when steve rogers says governments or administrations change what if they want to send us to a place we don't want to go or what if they mm -hmm. tell us we can't go to a place where we need to go that argument yeah. i buy and so in the film i'm with cap a hundred like a hundred percent um not that not that i don't think that nothing should be done like like there is again a rational argument on the other side but 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 cap's right cap should not give up his agency but you know like if the punisher exists in this world like he probably should give up his agency like punisher shouldn't yeah you know be allowed to so you know again it's it's when we're talking about captain america yeah i trust him but you know, and Spider-Man's a good guy, but do I trust him to make a decision that could cause an international incident? I don't know. He's like 17. Like, probably not. <laughs> so, um, but but in the case for when it, where it, because it really is about, and the other thing too is is the, the movie hones it down to where it's about the Avengers. It's not about all superheroes throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or at least it's not kind of put that yeah. way. So if, so the <laughs> Avengers is now this sort of, sanction thing and i think that's really smart too because that kind of eliminates the arguments i was just making where like well what about the punisher or what about daredevil or whatever so i well they do vision has that little speech where he says uh the fact the fact that we exist now is kind of escalating right. everything so like we're there it's, it's creating a response so it's like there more of us are popping up all over and people who want to fight us are popping up all over so that is kind of drawn in, but yeah, you're right. It is basically about just yeah. these guys, this group. But going back, you know, and, and taking this to the adaptation process, you know, our, our focus on the show, all of those decisions about these plot elements, about the inciting incidents and, and what the argument is about, like these, this is all cerebral stuff. This isn't a whole lot of characters, character tied in, like, don't get me, like we've talked about the character of Captain America and why this works, but, but all of those decisions. I felt make the film make more internal logical sense than the comic book does. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to harp on the comic or anything, but um, cause I do find it an enjoyable read, but it's an enjoyable read that, that don't dig too deep. Um, and I feel like you can dig deeper in, uh, yeah. in, in the film. Yeah. Um, 
Let's move on to the next question. That was still just the first question. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, no, no, we, no, we no, yeah. Two. That, we were, yeah, that's yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, thank goodness. All right, so we will switch gears, though. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll stick with this because we're just, we're, I was just kind of closing the door on some of the plot sort of stuff. So let's 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 veer this into the character, and then I'll come back to uh, the Spider-Man thing. So the film establishes Captain America as the protagonist of the film. However, it is Tony Stark, Iron Man, that has the greatest emotional arc. After seeing the film, there were people who considered themselves Team Captain America and others Team Iron Man. Does the confusion on which Avenger is the prota protagonist help or hurt the film? Uh, I'll tackle this because I didn't write that question. Um, I I don't think there's confusion. Like I don't. Like it's a it, like the title of the movie is Captain America, so I kind of mm. know going in who I'm who I'm <laughs> supposed to root for. Um, and he's not demonstrably wrong. Um, he's also the underdog. He's also the most likable, um, in a lot of ways. So like, I don't really feel like it's con confusing. I mean, Tony's in it a lot, but he's, he's not in it nearly as much as, as Cap. And, 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 but, the, but, but the reason I think that this works is because as soon as they bring up all the plot stuff we just spent 20 minutes talking about, they switch gears to it being personal for both of those characters. Yeah, totally. So it's personal for Tony because he's the one being sort of charged with, you know, this is your fault. You're funding this. You're doing all this stuff and these and innocent people are dying and it's personal and, and, and it becomes more personal later with his parents, but it's personal to cap because they suspect Bucky. They're going after Bucky, who is, mm -hmm. as we talked about in our previous episode, he was Cap's guardian when he was a when, when a kid. Like he was his sort of knight in shining armor, and then he's the Winter Soldier, mm -hmm. and Cap is determined to help him. Another interesting thing about the Winter Soldier, we talked about this in the last episode too, is we get some of that sort of plot stuff that was missing in the winter soldier movie from the winter soldier comic a lot of more of the russian stuff and how this all kind of worked and all, all that stuff but there's another interesting like like easter egg in there too is that in the winter soldier story arc one of the things that the winter soldier did in his past was kill an ambassador for uh from wakanda oh it's like oh, it's like wow. in the dossier that that uh that they that they oh wow them. So oh, I, I that's don't, cool. Yeah, I, again, I think that's probably largely sort of serendipitous, but it, it's an interesting sort of Easter egg sort of thing. Um, but uh, so it, it very quickly becomes personal for Cap because it's now it's not really about this the accords. It's really about saving his friend and making sure that his friend gets a fair trial, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, and I think I think that becomes more personal. It's less heady, and now you're off to the race. So for me, I, I don't think there's confusion because it really is Cap's story, defending his friend. Um, and interestingly enough, it's like the only mistake that Cap has made in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the thing that splits him and Tony apart, which I think is really interesting. Like Cap, we were talking about this, right? Cap's always right, except for this yeah. one thing. Which seems kind of little on the one hand, but is what drives a wedge between him and, and Tony. And it doesn't actually come till the end. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, so that's that's my take on it. So I don't think there's a lot of confusion. Do you guys disagree? Like, like, are you bouncing back and forth? I I <laughs> I, I do disagree, but I want to hear what Skid has to say. Um, well, for uh, me, first. I think the clue in the story. I think in both stories, and I might be wrong, but the defections that happen uh, are all people who defect to captain america's side i don't think there's anyone that defects from captain america's side to iron man's side i think that's true in both stories so um in the comic book and the movie so i in the I, comic I, there I, are a couple that do okay they're like all the superheroes you don't care about they're not important. right right yeah. <laughs> yeah so that to me is like that's that's a clue that like this is this is who's who we're supposed to be rooting for but although one of them is ant-man's daughter in the comics Cassie Cassie Lang, who is stature in the comics, um, it and it's Scott Lang that's Ant. Oh, so his daughter actually oh. in the comics moves from, but that's a whole other thing because you know she's like four. That. In the, she's like four in the movies, right? <laughs> she doesn't get the opportunity in the movies, right. unfortunately, but, right? To yeah. to become a superhero and then switch sides like that. That would have been awesome. To have a, like that was, a, that a was a thirty. That's like... a thirty-minute subplot just on her. <laughs> uh, she aged a lot between movies. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting I, point about the defense. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So make your case, James. I think we're unassailable here. So go ahead, like <laughs> knock yourself out. <laughs> All right, here we go. For me, as the, uh, when it comes to film, the protagonist is the one that's actively pursuing to resolve the story. And in this, and, and he, the protagonist is the one that actually has a, a an arc, a change. And Captain America throughout this entire film, he's the same Captain America. He's throughout the entire film, he's he needs to save Bucky, and that's what he's going for. But it's actually we get off, you know, in the very beginning, uh, Tony Stark is this emotional. He's he's gut wrenched with this guilt for what's transpired, and then by the end, you know, he's going to get the Winter Soldier for doing this. He's gonna he's gonna you know, and and at the very end, he's like, I made a mistake, and so to me, the change happens with. Uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, and and Captain America is just kind of this the same guy throughout the entire film. So that's where the I agree that it's set up as Captain America's film, but the underlying engine that drives the movie seems to be a bit confused. Civil War itself, I thought there was so much going on in this. It was like the continuation of the Winter Soldier, but then also all of a sudden we have the Civil War that's going on at the same time. Everything seemed to fit for me. But I didn't seem to have the same kind of completely different than what I think Andy was experiencing, the same emotional connection to the, the characters in the film that I had for um, the Winter Soldier. No, I, uh, I would agree that the, um, the that I'm more emotionally invested in the characters in Winter Soldier. I would definitely agree with that. I was not emotionally invested in the mm -hmm. movie Civil War when I first saw it. It was only on the third viewing where I where I really <laughs> started to connect. Um, but I'd just like to point out, James, that you're you're wrong, that you are wrong. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, see, that's you know. Well, I, I have to say that I I, uh, I think I'm right. Well, no, my my, my 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 counter argument is that is that I think that Cap is the one that changes, and that Tony isn't. I think there's an illusion oh. of Tony changing. All right. So Tony Tony basically uh, agrees right. with the Sokovia Accords, agrees that they should bring mm -hmm. in the Winter Soldier, and that he if if that means that he has to be killed because he's re resisting arrest, that's fine. By the end of it, he's still trying to kill the Winter Soldier. 
and has not changed his position well, at all. Whereas <laughs> Captain America. But that's but that's but that's but that's because of a certain information he learns at the end of the movie that we understand why he. No, wants no, no. To I'm not saying so. He changes twice. I don't understand it. Yes, he's all right. He's like, he doesn't know what he is. <laughs> okay, he's well, maybe. Iron Man. All right, you can. Uh, <laughs> he's a super make... protagonist. He changes if, twice. If if you're if if, <laughs> if your argument everyone. is that he changes from wanting to kill the Winter Soldier to really wanting to kill the Winter Soldier, <laughs> then that's fine. That you can have that. But on the other hand, though, Captain America, who, by the way never changes like that's part of who he is like he is the rock uh he actually does change because while he is principled and all the things that captain america is and all the things that we rely on captain america to be throughout the movie and protecting his friend he is the one that realizes the mistake that he made by not telling tony that the winter soldier had murdered tony's parents so hmm. he's the one that realizes that mistake and his approach to Tony changes in that final scene hmm. that when, when he, when he delivers the letter with the, with the burner phone and everything. So I think he has a real change. He, he's the one that drops the shield at the end and essentially says, I'm yes. not going to be captain America anymore because I made this mistake that hurt my friend, hurt the Avengers may have hurt the world. Mm -hmm. And he essentially retires. He doesn't make a big, show of it like we don't have the splash page of his uniform well, hanging out of the trash can all spider-man style but we get that idea i think yeah. there is a major change there and and this is going to tie into one of our questions later that's going to be a big part of avengers infinity war is that he dropped the mantle yes so yeah. i don't think you can i don't think you can really say he doesn't change like that's that's a pretty big change well, for a you know a comic book superhero well well the, the whole I think I think that's been something that's been going on throughout the the last couple of films, though. You know, I I I think before we sort of talked about this, I had mentioned, you know, in the Winter Soldier, there's that moment where he's battling Batrock, and he says, uh, you know, I thought you were more than just a, a shield, and then Captain America puts the shield away and goes, let's see, <laughs> and that's been that whole arc of like he's gonna put the shield down and and walk away, but that's because I think Tony says something along the lines of. And that's not yours. That's well, the government. My father and built so that shield. Says, you don't. You don't deserve. Yeah. It. My father right. built that shield. Yeah. Yeah. And then which he is, lets which, it down. which is which and which I, which I think also is implying it's right, a government but it, but shield. But it, oh man, I, I really hate that line because it it feels like like something like a five year old on playground would say, like yeah, <laughs> like my dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's like Tony, <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of Tony Stark with his. You know, he's he could he could. His his emotional state can that, go that from is true. I'm not saying to, it's not uh, you, you know, know appropriate for the character, but <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I I you know, I mean, I was saying you're wrong just because that's kind of fun to say, but you're yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you on the level of like I actually think you're wrong. I just think that the change in Captain America is more <laughs> significant than I think you felt like it was, and I feel like that change happens in this <laughs> film. Rather than it being a bill, not that it's not set up to some degree, but but it, it happens here. Like when you look at Cap and the Winter Soldier, it's the same sort of deal. Like you were saying, like as soon as he sees Project Insight, he says, "This isn't freedom. This is fear," and that's the position he takes. And at the end, mm -hmm. that's the position he has. That's the position that wins. He doesn't have to change. Here, he does. 
So to mm -hmm. my, to, you know, there's there's a lot of in, uh, emotional conflict going on with him and the Winter Soldier about Bucky and what he's discovering. Like, and I and I and I feel for him. I mean, I remember when I first discovered one of my friends had been frozen and turned into an international terrorist. <laughs> I was uh, I was upset by this. Yeah, I, I remember when it happened. I, I remember you talking. And about I can't about it. I can't um, apologize enough. Like I, every time, I'm like I have to apologize again. <laughs> You're you're okay, Skid. You're okay now. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, good. <laughs> Resolution. There we so, go. Uh, so this, I think this is a good segue into this next question. From a character standpoint, it seems that the Marvel Cinematic Universe may have switched its lead character. In the beginning, we'll call it Phase 1, which was Iron Man 1 and 2, Incredible Hulk, the first Cap, the first Thor, and the first Avengers movie. Um, at least that far in the beginning, it was Iron Man. And that's clearly the case through that first Avengers film. But by the end of Captain America Civil War, it appears that Captain America has taken center stage in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you agree or no? And if you do, how or when do you think that happens? That he becomes the central character and maybe potentially also the moral center of the film. See, I, I actually think I actually think it uh, it's it happens in the Avengers um, when it comes to you know determining who's the protagonist. It's the person who's making the decision and leading the team. And by the end of the Avengers, it's uh, Captain America who's barking out the, the orders and telling where Hawkeye should needs to be. And and then and he's the one that's leading the team into that battle in the first Avengers. And I think that change happens there, uh, going into the Winter Soldier. Um, uh, so now there's definitely... I, I don't want to split I, pairs too much here, but you're talking about the protagonist of of the film. Now my definition of protagonist is slightly different than yours because I, you know, the protagonist is the character that brings about the, the climax and, and the, the final bit. And in the Avengers movie, that's Iron Man. He's the one that, that takes that bomb away and it's, and yeah. Iron Man is front and center. And so, so yes. we're, we're talking, he does, we're kind of getting technical here, but, but Iron Man is the focus. Iron Man is the lead character in that universe everything revolves around iron man in 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 that first phase he's the one most involved putting the avengers together he's all that so i would say that i don't know just because cap's the one kind of barking out the orders because he knows strategy better doesn't make him the center character but it does make a bit of a a, a, a baton kind of a handover to for the okay. next phase that he is then leading the Avengers because when they do the the hero shot, he's in the front and everybody else is around and behind him. Uh, I mean, because to me that's right. where it starts to happen to to lead into the rest of the uh, because it's going to lead up to Civil War where Captain it's Captain yeah. America's Civil War. So, so that's the to me that's it, the beginning. I think I think it start. I think the the, the protagonist does become Captain America. And I think it happens in Winter Soldier because Captain America ends up being at the center. He ends up being the pivotal figure in what is really like, I think, the most important event in the Marvel comic universe so far, which is all the whole like Hydra thing um, uh, th that had the, the most wide ranging ramifications as far as like the movies that followed. And I think it's interesting too because it kind of mirrors what happened in the early comic books because you know at the beginning of Avengers like as a comic 
you know, Iron Man, Tony Stark was in charge. Like he was the, he was the head of the Avengers yep. and it eventually changed. It was like, eventually it was like, Oh, Captain, Oh, he's the greatest strategist that ever lived. Maybe we should let him call the shots. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah it's, interesting. It's, it's interesting because in the, uh, it's a good point too, about the, the original comics, Captain America is not a founding Avenger in the comic books. Um, yeah, he's he, he has yeah, discovered in Avengers number four. That's when they pop him out of the ice. So the Avengers are already a, are already a thing. Um, yeah, but uh, um, but what's what's and it just reminds me. I remember um, when they uh, when Marvel relaunched the Avengers. Um, it was like nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight. There was a new volume of the Avengers coming out, and. The opening splash page is by written by Kurt Music and illustrated by George Perez. The opening splash page is this statue of the original Avengers, and Captain America is front and center. And hmm. I, that, that was the year that I, the summer I did my internship there, and I remember very clearly this debate in in the office about whether or not they should include Captain America on that statue, <laughs> and and. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what the what the solution was, but it was something like that 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 they modified the articles of organization or something like that in the no. <laughs> to retroactively make him a founding <laughs> Avenger, which I which is like I love that that is the minutia that that got discussed for like a week, <laughs> like because that's what every well, fanboy thinks goes on every single day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it does, but it was great. And, and, and Captain America's first, and Captain America's first movie is Captain right. America first right. Avenger. Right. Yeah, it's right. Interesting, <laughs> it's interesting that you would pinpoint sort of the Winter Soldier, and I think you make a. I think both what you guys said, I think, makes a lot of sense. You know, in terms of there's the sort of a handoff going on in the first Avengers, and then in Avengers: Age of Ultron, the next Avengers movie, like fairly early on in the film, Tony says something like. It's his show. I just make everybody look cool and, you know, pay for everything, you know. And so there, yeah. there, there does seem to be an acknowledgement <laughs> that he's sort of the leader of the of the team, right? He's the greatest soldier. So I think there's a there's a logic there that makes sense. I think people accept that. But it's interesting, you know, Skid, what you're saying about where he becomes the central figure in this defining thing, and you know, with Tony not even being a factor in that in that film. But it's also interesting yeah. that while while Captain America is sort of on the rise, sort of as this moral center and central figure in phase two, you know, after Avengers, that Iron Man, that Tony is in some ways on a on a decline. Like his Iron Man three, right after Avengers, he's dealing mm -hmm. with uh, PTSD, um, which mm -hmm. is not which is not to say that makes him unfit or anything or wrong or whatever, but. But like he's dealing with the ramifications of this is bigger than he kind of thought it was, and he's going through a lot of that sort of thing, and he's questioning. Mm -hmm. And then in Avengers: Age of Ultron, where he shows up, I think next, um, you know, he's you know, it's a bad call, Ripley. It's a bad call <laughs> when you create Ultron. <laughs> so he's the reason Ultron, you know, shows up. Uh, yeah. That's not good. And and Age of Ultron is is. I think very weird when it comes to like, <laughs> what are you trying to say about Tony and his egomaniacal sort of stuff? But like, but there is that interesting conversation in, in age of Ultron, which actually mirrors the story of winter soldier because Tony and cap are, are chopping wood, uh, which is, you know, 
what Avengers do. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and they have this conversation that, that basically what Tony says is he created the Ultron program and, and plan to do essentially exactly the same thing that Project Insight was supposed to do in the Winter Soldier. It was supposed to shield the, the, the world and, and stop the villains before they show up. And so we don't have to have a team. Isn't that the plan? And Cap very succinctly says, anytime somebody tries to stop a war before it starts, innocent people die every single time. And so what's interesting to me there is, mm -hmm. is, that, is that basically they rehash the central debate of Winter Soldier in this one scene. Mm -hmm. And again, Cap comes out on top. And yeah. so, <laughs> you know, I don't know that that means that that scene is like where he becomes the moral center, but, but it's, it's interesting that like Tony mm -hmm. is on this sort of like making bigger and bigger mistakes sort of thing while Cap is, is being proven yeah. more and more morally, um, you know, right, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. 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 Just a side note mm -hmm. to that scene where they're cutting wood, the, it, that, the fact that they're at Hawkeye's home with his family and the fact that it's such a deviation from the comics, that drove me nuts. I just, I was like, well, what, what are they doing with Hawkeye? Mm, he, Hawkeye's not Hawkeye that guy. Is that, Hawkeye so, is that anyway. guy in the Ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, see, I never yeah, read the Ultimate. Right. So. Yeah, he's, no, got, no. he's got a family in the Ultimate. No. But don't get too attached to him. Yeah. I, I'm like you, James. Like, I'm so I'm so attached to the West Coast Avengers version of Hawkeye that it bothered me too. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I think all superhero fans are attached to the West Coast Avengers. Period. That's like, the definitive like, yeah. version of everything. Yeah. The West Coast. Yeah. We want Tigra. They, they clearly we want Tigra. Man, <laughs> they clearly made a mistake when they allowed Steve Rogers to be Captain America. It it should have been the U.S. agent. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, now you're talking. <laughs> and I think that's what's wrong with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right? <laughs> uh, but that's yeah. it. you're onto something. And this was, and I was the one that wrote that question because I was really, I find that really interesting. That for me, there wasn't a defining moment, uh, but it does seem. But would you guys agree that that Cap is the central figure at this point? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we had one we had one more question Definitely. about Civil War specifically before we do dove into our bonus question. So that one, going back on our list here, is Marvel Studios made a deal with Sony. To, that's how the best questions start with business decisions. Marvel <laughs> Studios made a deal with Sony to include Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War. Is Spider-Man's presence in the film necessary to tell the story? Or was it Marvel Studios' sole purpose to introduce the character in order to set up Spider-Man Homecoming? go uh you know it's funny because i don't know i don't know whether it's necessary or not but it is awesome <laughs> it's it's really cool yes. uh yeah i think we're done now <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's all we need trying to look at awesome. it objectively it's probably a really reckless move by tony stark to just involve this untested teenager to bring him into this this really important like conflict but i just thought especially when i saw it the first time like i just thought they nailed like spider-man so well tom holland is so perfect 
He's so well cast. He, re- he really is perfectly cast for Spider-Man. He's so as a as a young young Peter Parker, like he's so great. And um and it was just such a damn thrill to see Spidey on the screen with these other guys. I I ju- I can't tell you how much I loved it. But uh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I enjoyed seeing him on the screen and uh, what they had him doing. And I also think, you know, I'd mentioned earlier about the comic book where I didn't believe that Spider-Man would go with Tony Stark. In, yeah, this in makes this, that case. I, this makes I, the I case that he would. Yeah, this is this. Yeah, this is father's son. This is, you know, him looking up to one of his heroes. This is him getting a suit from Tony. Stark. This, this, I believe, I still don't believe there, there's something about, I guess, maybe it's all the history of, of reading spider-man and knowing spider-man i'm like oh man he should be on captain america's team i'm hoping that happens well he pretty much defects like uh, like he does yeah but like but like by the by the end of that fight he's he's not really trying to stop steve rogers anymore like they have the whole brooklyn queens thing and then and then oh that's the best thing ever yeah (laughs) i love that moment i just love that moment so much Well, well, there's a lot of great banter during that scene, and 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 you know, even between Hawkeye and and the Black Widow, in the sense that you know, uh, they're all friends and they're right. all fighting, but they're not really. And that's sort of the that's sort of the fighting. elephant in the room. Anytime you do a story like that, like like it, like I mean, the old the old cliche, and it's awesome. And we and we in the in the superhero comics business still do this, right? Like anytime the two heroes show up, there has to be some misunderstanding, so they fight each other, but nobody really gets hurt, and then they team up at the end and beat the bad guy. It's awesome. Or depending on which book you're in, like which title, like if you're in Black Panther's title and he fights Captain America, well, Black Panther wins. If you're in Captain America's title, then Captain America will win. Um, but it, but yeah, and, and even in the last bit with him towards the end of the movie, like there's, I forget what it is now, there's some nod, you know, towards like Steve Rogers being awesome. Um, I think getting back to sort of the, the, the um, strategic, decision um it's it's a it's a weird one like like his appearance i think is strange and to me does feel a little forced but the but the execution of it yes is so good yeah like in terms of like even though it's forced but like the character just rings true and this is one of those things that like you know in my comics writing classes and stuff that i try to teach over and over is like if the character feels real we'll buy everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just need to hook me into that character. And one of the things that I think is so great about when he shows up and when we meet him as Peter Parker, I buy into like, oh, this is the, this is the teenage Peter Parker. Or this is, this is the guy, right? And he's funny and he's whatever. Like I buy into mm-hmm. that and he's the underdog and he's all that sort of stuff. I love the way they sidestep his origin, but they saw it, but they also acknowledge it, which is something fans didn't want to rehash that origin again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he shows up as Spider-Man for the first time, there is there is this not so subtle thing they do when he lands after taking Cap's shield and his mm-hmm. eyes move. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which mm-hmm. is one of the things yeah, that little... Spider-Man fans always complained about in the movies was that his eyes don't move and and animate the way they do in the comic. And they came up yeah. with a story reason for that to work by having right start exactly. Movie. The thing, and it, and it's one of those things where you just you you look at that and you're like, they know. Getting back to this being strategic, they knew exactly what they were doing, right? Like, yeah. like it is so calculated, yes. but it's executed so well, 
and so playfully that you just buy it. You just go along yeah. with it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I do I think that, yeah, they put him in there because they were setting up Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, I just think it works. <laughs> yeah. Which I think was your yeah. point, Skid, when you were like, it's just awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's pretty much what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it really is, you know, and that's, and that's, again, also going back to the adaptation process, Spider-Man's a really big part of the Civil War comic. So for him to be completely absent, he's used very differently here, but for him to be yeah. completely absent would be a little, would be a little strange if you're talking about adapting that story from London. Totally. Now, obviously the Fantastic Four aren't in the movie, uh, Hank Pym isn't in the, or Pym, however you want to say it for pime uh really i prefer i prefer pime i've never heard anyone say pime yeah (laughs) yeah well now you have now you have that's so uh i've only seen it written i don't the submariner one of my favorite characters (laughs) come on now come on and and magneto great uh i'm gonna jump through the internet and murder you (laughs) Uh, so (laughs) before we move on to our bonus question and the part of this whole thing that everybody was waiting for, I'm going to go ahead and, and explain how my six-year-old son, Oliver saw Captain America civil war. This is pretty exciting stuff. So, so we're watching the movie and and I have this deal with my kids where if they've got any questions, they can ask whatever they, we just have to pause first. And that way we don't do that. Like I'm answering one thing and then they miss the next thing and which drives me crazy. So but here we are. We're going to the airport scene. Cap's team and Iron Man's team, they're going to come together for the first time and, and fight each other. Now, these are characters that my six-year-old is used to being friends. So, and we hadn't stopped the movie a whole lot or anything. So, so I went ahead and I preemptively paused it and said, hey, Oliver, do you know what's going on? Like, and he's like, yeah, I got it. I'm like, okay, sure. So could you explain to me what the situation is here? Like, what is going on here? And uh, <laughs> knowing that he's only six, so he can't possibly comprehend the nuances of superhero films. Um, and, and he says to me, he says to me, well, Captain America and his team are on one butt cheek. And <laughs> Iron Man and his team are on the other butt cheek. And the Winter Soldier is in the crack. <laughs> That is so succinct. And, 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 and my other, you know, my older son, Kale, and I just look at him in like total disbelief and just die laughing. And I'm like, yep, you got it. Hit play. Move on. Don't need to stop the movie ever again. Uh, I think he needs to start yeah, um, working for anyone. I have no uh, idea why butts were involved. But, uh, but hey I just, man, That is the single best elevator pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like nailed it. All right, moving on. Okay, so our bonus question, uh, and this leads more into the Thanos stuff, like we did on our last episode. What are your thoughts, hopes, and/or predictions going to Avengers: Infinity War? What are we looking for? What do we think is uh, is is coming up? Uh, I have one big one that occurred to me reading the the Thanos, not the quest, the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Um, okay. Uh, series was it struck me at the beginning that Thanos, you know, he's he's built this shrine to death, like he's trying to impress her, 
And at his side, as his like worm tongue, you know, groveling at his feet is Mephisto, is the devil, you know, which was pretty mm -hmm. cool because it's just like, oh, wow, Satan, like you're making Satan like grovel at you, like for your, you know, approval, which is that's that's pretty, pretty great. But it may I knowing that they're probably not going to bring Satan like into the Marvel Comics cinematic universe or have I'm wondering already. if. Well, that's I'm wondering if Loki is going to take that job oh that role yeah i wonder if that you know because ah, uh in, in the comics you know not to spoil anything but like mephisto like tries to like manipulate him without you know letting on to to like you know making a mistake and i wonder if that's if that seems something like exactly what loki would do. i'd also like to point out that um, i i don't think you have to put a spoiler warning in front of a comic book series that's 35 years old okay that's I, think, probably I, think, true. I think you're on solid ground here to talk about it Okay. All right, One weird. of the things that that, that I had completely for because I, I haven't read, I don't think I've read Infinity Gauntlet since it came out in the eighties. But one thing I had completely forgotten about was Nebula's role in that, yeah, in that story. Um, and yeah. so that was that oh, was that cool. was really interesting because that was like I mean I had just that was just not in my brain at all, and I was like, whoa, hey, there's Nebula. Look at that. And you know, and she's got a a part to, a weird, really weird part to play, but um but an important one. Um, and so I'm wondering if there's some sort of thing either with her. Um, I think that might be a little strange, but, but at the same time, like in guardians one and two, like Thanos hangs pretty heavy over Nebula and Gamora. Like he is the crux mm -hmm. of every conversation mm -hmm. they had, how Gamora always won and Thanos rewarded her and Thanos like, Took her. There's like some line where like he took my brain out and made me look at it, you know, and and yeah. like put put her back together. Like the they have set up from a character standpoint, um, you know, Nebula wanting to take Thanos down. Um, and interestingly, they sort of de-emphasized from the comics Drax the Destroyer's um, mission to kill Thanos. So in the comics, Drax the Destroyer was literally created for the purpose of track hunting yeah. down and killing Thanos. That is the only reason yeah. that he exists in the, in the, in the film, it's shifted over to Ronan, which kind of, you know, you can look at that and go, well, maybe they're clearing the path for Nebula or Gamora, who has a more personal history with Thanos to have this sort of role. So I think, I think there's some potential there. That, that that could be bleed over from 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 those those comics, but you know, there's a lot of speculation about like you know, are they finally going to kill somebody off? Um, which is one of those things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I like is that like nobody ever dies. Um, but you know, there's there's also that big difference between between making comics where the characters are drawn and making movies where there are actors who age and have bigger and bigger contracts um you know so so you have to kind of wonder you know is this going to be is either this film or the next one because i'm assuming that this isn't going to wrap up everything with thanos but i could be wrong um that you know are they going to exit out some of these characters or and or actors now they have changed an actor you know before they've changed the hulk so there's precedent for somebody else just taking mm -hmm. over the over a role yeah, and Rhodey, that's right. Yeah. And uh, Rhodey. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Rhodey and Civil War, the last scene 
with Rhodey in Civil War where he's trying to learn how to walk, I think is a really poignant scene when he mm -hmm. says, even being injured like this, I'm I'm still with you. I think that's an important scene for, for the movie Civil War it, itself, yeah. maybe not the larger cinematic universe, but I think that's an important scene. James, what do you think? What are you looking looking for in Infinity War? Well, well, so I'm, I'm going to get to that in a second, but there's something you mentioned that I'm, I'll try to be quick about this, that while I was reading everything and watching the movies, I, it's interesting that the material that we were reading, it goes from like the Infinity Gauntlet to Winter Soldier, you know, Civil War, and we're actually going, <laughs> it's going in the different direction of story-wise, the Winter Soldier, Civil War, and now we go to the, the Infinity Gauntlet, and I, I think it's interesting how they've re-engineered everything and moved it into and put the pieces in different places and yet it all fits that yeah. was just a comment uh for the avengers infinity war usually when there's all these superheroes i have a great time at the movie but i'm never completely mm -hmm. satisfied with the film they're, they're, because i feel as though I, I'm, I'm i can't completely get connected into one black focus journey because yeah. i'm you know i'm dealing that's <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm dealing with the subplot of Vision and uh, the Scarlet Witch, and I'm dealing with the subplot of you know these uh, Bruce Banner and uh, uh, and Black Widow, and you know all this other stuff that's going on. And usually for me, that when it comes to uh, these movies, it's the individual films that I, I I think I like more, is just because it's it, it can focus more on the character itself and and uh, those stories. So I'm hoping that. I'm wrong about this one. I'm hoping that I, I not only do I have a good experience and enjoy and have that kind of young, year old <laughs> wow, there's all these characters on the screen together. This is great. To also, you know, walking out of there and going and feel uh, having a good film experience. And I'm also hoping that uh, you, Adam Warlock does not. You show will up. though, not in this movie, but I think I think eventually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think in the next phase, yes, he's in, see the, him. Uh, he's in the Guardian. one of the uh, the stinger in the Guardians stinger. Like they show the cocoon, so I think he's going to come in. Yeah, at the end of at the um, end of Guardians volume. Uh, I mean, he's so key. He's so key to the comic story. Like it just, um, yeah, it does seem late in the game to kind of bring and him yet in. Yet he's but... so annoying in Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's just like he's like he just shows up. He's like, well, I'll fix it. Just pay attention to me. Right. <laughs> I'll fix it. And everyone's like, who are you? Um, He's like, I'm the guy that can fix it. And they're like, no, oh, okay. All right. So like, All right. <laughs> Here, look at, him, look at my brain. Yeah. Look, he, he, see see how cool? He should just hand him his uh, handbook of the Marvel Universe entry. Like, here you go. Right. Read this. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, you're checking it. Let's read this. I know it's in the W's, but um, but uh, the uh, actually there's three quick things, like looking at my notes that I realized that was uh, super important to me. First thing is, because I think in Thanos' quest, Thanos makes mention of the Hulk. And I think they've explicitly said, the filmmakers have said that he's stronger than the Hulk. But in the in the book, like he says that he's never been tested against him. And he's been wary to do so. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment in Infinity Gauntlet where Hulk and Drax, like this is one like pair of panels where they team up and they both punch him at the same time. And I'm like, I hope that happens. Right. <laughs> I want to see that. Uh, the other thing is, because a huge thing like happens towards the end of uh, of Gauntlet is, you know, Nebula ends up with the Gauntlet. She ends up like with the power herself. Yeah, and have this big kind of like group yeah. therapy session with Thanos. And somebody makes the point that say like, 
look, you always make these fatal mistakes. Like you're more powerful than all of us put yeah, together, a, but you make these mistakes because hammered home in, in Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because deep down, you know that you're not worthy of it. And so he ends up teaming up with the heroes to get the gauntlet back. And I'm curious if that ends up happening too, because that would be pretty sweet. So yeah, I figured I that that would wind up being a big part of our discussion after we see the film, but I just don't think they can go the route of we've been building to this since 2008 and um, he messes it up himself. You know what I mean? It, like, like, yeah, like I just, yeah, it's got to be earned by the heroes. Yeah, it's got to be. I think. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, that's yeah. one of those, that's one right. of those big things about Thanos in general, where, you know, when I, I've read a bunch of Thanos stories and I kind of always thought he was sort of a little bit lame because that's it. Like, like how many times have you gotten ultimate power? And then you're like, Oh, shucks. I lost it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he, he's done that like five times and you're just like well that doesn't make you a badass that makes you an idiot um yeah so i just i and i didn't really like i wasn't a huge thanos fan really until i read that just thanos rising yeah um like that really made everything yeah, that's and a that great and and, and, a, and a take more like that which i think is more the take on the character that they're going for because they haven't seeded any of that stuff i I am looking forward to this idea of him courting death. Like, how is that going to play out? Like, are they yes. going to have death be a physical entity? Like, I, I doubt it, especially after you already had a goddess of death, you know, in Ragnarok. But, like, that right. seems weird. Like, how is that different from Hela? Um, you know, so I... Maybe it's her. Maybe they're going to bring Kate Blanchett back. That, I'd be okay with that. I like her. She's cool. Um... Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'm curious to see, I think Avengers Infinity War is going to be very, very different from Infinity Gauntlet. I think Infinity Gauntlet is providing the this sort of underlying conceptual thing, but I don't, I would be surprised if it provides a lot of actual story beats um, for the, for the film itself. And I, and I think it, the film probably will be better for that because you've got these 18 films and you got to play with all these characters to, to James's point. I do think that with civil war, while it does lack that focus, cause it's not focused on the one character as much. I do think that like, I found the vision and Scarlet witch to be not particularly compelling in age of Ultron, but in, in Captain America civil war, I found like I cared about them a lot mm -hmm. more. So I think with these directors and with yeah. these writers, I think there's a good chance that even though it would, you know, we're going to be jumping all over and all that kind of stuff. I do think there's a good chance that we're going to get a lot of really good character work. If not the focus that, that I think all three of us tend to like that kind of focus on one or two characters, but mm -hmm. I think we'll get a lot of good character work. I'm pretty excited for this. Yeah, me too. They're the people that I would, if anyone I could choose I put this in the, these people's hands. It would be them if anyone could do a good job with it. The Russos and the screenwriting team. So yeah. All right. Well, that wraps us up. We are going to watch Avengers: Infinity War. Probably, if you're listening to this, you will too. And uh, and then we're going to record after the weekend, after opening weekend, our uh, our thoughts on the film itself. Uh, again, thanks for listening. 
please leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, tell all your friends about it, post about it on Facebook, share it, all that good stuff. And what do we got coming up? I think we probably know at this point because this is dropping two days after the last episode. <laughs> um, but Comics Experience and Screen Experience are offering <laughs> comic book courses, uh, a creator's workshop, and courses on screenwriting one, uh, that James is teaching. Um, is it going to be awesome, James? Yay. All right. And yeah, awesome. uh, right around the same time that this episode will be dropping, <laughs> um, the Glass Cannon Network is launching what again? Uh, Androids and Aliens, our Starfinder-based tabletop role-playing live play podcast. There you go. Very excited about that. And I'll tell you something I won't be doing. Uh, I was invited to the Marvel employee screening of uh, Infinity War uh, on this coming Wednesday. And I can't go because we have to record the Glass Cannon podcast. So, very so, so you're about that. So you're quitting. Yeah, I'm you're, quitting the show. This is, I hope everyone enjoyed my run on the Glass Cannon podcast. It's over. All right. Um, yeah, and if you are listening to this the weekend of Avengers Infinity War opening up and you are in the greater Philadelphia area, I will be attending the great Philadelphia Comic-Con uh, this weekend. So uh, come to the show, buy your tickets, come hang out. Let's chat about comics. Let's chat about adaptation. Be awesome. Swing on by. Um, and I think that's it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Excelsior. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Pages to Pictures, brought to you by ScreenExperience.com and ComicsExperience.com. Please leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks.